Hello and welcome everyone. So my name is Rafil Malik. I'm from the HSBC Regional Cybersecurity Team and we're going to be talking about the impacts of cyber attacks and how to protect your business. And this is going to be presented by a couple of ex-crime fighters, J.R. Mains and Tim Kolk, and they'll be taking us through this topic. They're actually in the global HSBC Cyber Intelligence and Threat Analysis teams. We know that team as CITA, C-I-T-A. So just to get into it, so Tim, J.R., before you start on the topic, I think it would be really interesting, I know I'd like to hear, and I'm sure others would, about your crime fighting days, anything you could share from those experiences. But with that, over to you two. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks. I worked cyber uh, investigations the entire time I was in the FBI. I was there for um, about 13 years. Uh, but Tim actually has former financial sector experience uh, from his beginning days uh, in the FBI. I don't know, Tim, do you want to mention that? Yeah, well, so when I first arrived in Boston, uh, which is where I was, a, I was an agent, uh, I was assigned to the um, bank robbery squad. And so I like to tell people that uh, my, my financial uh, industry experience uh, came when I was investigating bank robberies in Boston uh, in 2014. Um, so, but but no, in all seriousness, I think that uh, you know the FBI teaches you a lot of things, and uh, but what it really teaches you is um, to kind of have a, a level head and to follow evidence and to make sure that when you know you're you're hearing things and you're seeing things uh, that there's always evidence behind it before you start sort of making decisions on that. And that's something I think that JR and I have really taken to the team that we have now, uh, the cyber intelligence side. You know, there's a lot of things that are talked about within the cyber community, uh, and a lot of them don't have a lot of evidence behind them. And so we are very strong about saying, you know, hey, even though you're seeing lots of headlines here, the evidence does not actually match up to what it's saying. And that's something that JR has pushed to the team quite a bit is that you know, we, we need to have proof before we are making determinations and things like that. Thank you so much. It was, it's always interesting to hear real life experiences from um, people like yourself. So we are going to be talking a bit today about the threat landscape. Um, this is going to be a pretty pretty brief overview, a little high level, but we're going to end on some key takeaways from, you know, just from looking at the threat landscape and and what we know about it. So with that, let me go ahead and, Jar, over to yeah, you. Yeah, so um, I, I guess we've already introduced ourselves, uh, but we are from the Cyber Intelligence and Threat Analysis team, which is a very small team within HSBC. There's 10 of us operating from four different countries. And we're kind of broken into these these three different core areas uh, where we where we have a tactical focus, a strategic focus, and then we have an engineering team that helps build tooling to help power all of that stuff. But from our small presence, we're actually able to defend um, HSBC globally through a number of missions, through our strategic mission, through the raw tactical intelligence that defends everything, and really, frankly, beyond um, HSBC as well, uh, through a lot of our sharing effort. CETA's job is to inform educate and advise both HSBC and the broader cybersecurity industry and you know you all as uh, participants in this with the sole goals of empowering you as decision makers, emboldening your defenses and our defenses, and then ideally weakening our adversaries in the whole process. Um, and the key to all of this is leading in the cyber sharing ecosystem. So sharing for us is paramount it's the most important thing that we do and really help people understand what are the things that they need to worry about on their own networks in order to defend against these types of attacks. Okay, so Tim, passing it back to you, what is intelligence? Um, you know, part of our job is to provide context when we see these, and that's what we're going to do for you today. We want to give you a little bit of context of what to do when you see some of these kind of headlines pop up. Most of the headlines that you're going to be reading about, um, particularly like the sophisticated attacks, these all happen along what's called an attack chain. 
There's a whole process that goes through but um, before these impacts can happen. Of course, we want to be able to break this, you know, this chain. Right. And one of the ways that we do that, of course, is something called defense in depth. Right. And there's a lot of definitions for it. But think of it this way. Instead of sort of uh, putting a defense here or a defense there, we make sure that our strategy is layering defenses at each of these steps of the attack chain so that even if a threat actor is able to get initial access, they're looking at a lot more defenses and a lot more barriers to getting to that ultimate impact, what they're going to do. And a lot of threat actors are just opportunistic. So when they encounter a network that looks like this, there's not a lot they can do and they'll just move on to the next insecure network. They'll kind of be, I don't want to say scared away, but it's just not worth their time to kind of go through and try to break all of these defenses because it's going to be extremely difficult. The good news is, is that we kind of know how to mitigate a lot of these things. So, Jared, why don't you, uh, why don't you start us off? Yeah, yeah. And I, I got on the first point there, valid credentials. Um, the big thing that frankly defends against all types of threat actors from criminals to nation states is multi-factor authentication. Multi-factor authentication is, you know, it's the dragon slayer of defenses yeah. uh, because it really slows down uh, and makes some of these attack chains often impossible to, to conduct um, because it's a very, very hard um, control to overcome. But of course, the other big one is it's vulnerability management. So it's, it's having a program where you're looking for what's vulnerable on your network. You're prioritizing patching. You're following patching all the way through to completion and not le leaving any gaps out there because exposed internet facing infrastructure is a giant liability. I mean, and, and as Tim just said a second ago, uh, it, it takes, uh, you know, depending on what you're scanning, you can actually scan the entire internet in minutes. Um, and that's, that's what threat actors are doing. They're looking for targets of opportunity. They're looking for the low hanging fruit. And then that's where they'll, they'll move in from there. Obviously on the nation state side, they actually operate much the same way, uh, but they may have specific strategic intelligence goals where they make themselves focused on a particular organization or government, um, which, but in, in that case, that just enables them to, to scan even faster and, and more focused. Um, and then obviously the third one there, uh, we talked about Cobalt Strike. Uh, there are a lot of frameworks out there um, used by all threat actors, but in order to really accomplish that full attack chain, which is, you know, moving lateral in your network, um, exploiting additional systems, exfiltrating data, you need, the threat actor needs to establish access to your network and then actually communicate to a command and control uh, framework in order to send commands into your network and receive data back out of that network. And framework hunting, this is one of the, the key things that we do in our team. Uh, we look for the emergence uh, of these frameworks out on the internet, and then the moment they're found, we add them into a data feed that we we curate and create. Um, and it's you know again, rolling back to the beginning of our conversation here, uh, we only add things to our data feed that we can evidence and we can actually show and prove are related to a particular framework. Uh, but then we use that information to defend HSBC. And this is also one that we, uh, this data feed, we also share out, uh, actually DFSA uh, and the UAE Central Bank um, were, were two of the, our, our first folks that started receiving our data feed for this work. So brilliant. So with that, I think we'll jump into um, the Q&A now. So first one, and I wanted to pose this to JR and Tim, and I think it's relevant to the journey you just took us on. They're talking about which parts of the attack chain are manually done by criminals versus automated? Yeah, that's uh, that's, a, that's actually a really good question. So um, it, it varies, but I would say most of it is automated, right? So, so you see a lot of stuff that's automated. So phishing campaigns, 
pr primarily automated. That's just all, you know, uh, scanning, pretty much automated. Uh, there's kind of a distinction within um, the cyber community that Jerry kind of touched on this a little bit, but uh, it's, it's called when, when, the, when the activity becomes hands-on keyboard, right? So normally when we see an attack happen, uh, there'll be lots of things that are automated. So a script is running and it's just trying basic things and it's trying to get in. So it might be scanning the internet, trying to log in. If it works, all of a sudden they get in. There might be a tool that's run where it's just doing some internal reconnaissance, trying to figure out where it is. And then the activity will stop. All of a sudden you'll just see the activity kind of stop. And then all of a sudden you'll start seeing commands being run. And generally that's what we call hands-on keyboard. Now someone has kind of, for lack of a better room, entered the chat and is starting to like actually start to put in commands and move. And there's a little bit of automation with Cobalt Strike as well. It's kind of just a point and click. So that's automated, but it's also someone actually doing it. Um, so, so a lot of it is. Um, and, and what we see then is that an attack chain can be very, very rapid. and can happen within you know, a couple of hours. We can see the whole thing go. Or it might be several weeks that they're on that network. So it just depends on the attack. I, I think it, it also depends on the complexity of the network. But I, I, I'll agree with Tim that the, certainly the initial steps are very automated. Uh, but there's only so much that can happen before human interaction is required because the human actually needs to decide what are my goals on this network. And so things like screenshots, when screenshots are taken by a threat actor, those are reviewed by humans. So, you know, when we, when we look at threat actors taking screenshots, we know at that point, a human is actually looking at those screenshots, trying to determine what the next steps and actions will be. Okay, the next, I'm gonna combine two questions, which are similar topic. It says, as an online user, what kind of security should I consider or take care of? And then the other, the other question, which is similar, because I think you're gonna to probably touch this. It says, is dual factor authentication enough? What are the types of MFA techniques one can use? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's, so, so one of the things that you can do to, the, to, for your own personal security, right? There's kind of, we, we always say there's like two things, right? Uh, identify what accounts are able, you're able to uh, enable two-factor authentication and make sure it's enabled. That's, that's number one. Uh, that's going to, so your Gmail accounts, um, if you have any accounts to kind of, where you're using your credit card or something like that, maybe an online store, uh, really important that you can secure your account that way. That's that's going to be number one. And two, keep your devices up to date. So so make sure if you have an iPhone or an Android, make sure you're using the most recent operating uh, system and the most recent version of that operating system. That goes along with your apps too. Make sure your apps are up to date. Turn on auto updates. That's that's the best way to do it. And then when you do download apps, go to the store. So the Google Play Store uh, or the Apple Store. Do not download them from just anywhere on the internet, right? Um, it, because that's, we've seen that a lot with, with threat actors. That's one of their initial access techniques. They'll basically send a, what can be called a phishing email, but there's really nothing to, they're not trying to take your credentials or anything. They're trying to redirect you to a page they've set up that looks like a legitimate sort of app that you're going to download. You download it. That's actually all just malware, right? That's how they're, they're getting onto that device. So, so those two things are really, really important. And when it comes to multi-factor, obviously, you know, as we said, Layer defense, that's, that's a big one, right? So multi-factor is a big step, but it's not the only precaution you should take. Uh, so if you say like, well, we've got multi-factor, so we're fine, that's, it's not, that's not gonna be good enough, right? Multi-factor is a big one, but it's not the only thing you should be doing. And when it comes to the types of multi-factor, you know, there is the, uh, the authenticator apps that you can use that are the, uh, you know, the, the, you, you put in your password and then you look at your phone and you type in, type in the one-time passcode. That's very, very good. You can do the text, text uh, message-based ones. Um, those are still very, very good. They're better than single factor. The authenticator apps are going to be probably a little bit better. And then they also have push notifications. I know Microsoft is starting to do this now. So you'll try to log in. You'll put in everything. You know, maybe you'll log in and they'll 
push a code to your device if you've got it all registered. So it's a kind of a different type. Um, you know, from a personal perspective, I like the Authenticator apps. They're straightforward. They're easy. I can see all my accounts right there. Um, you know, and, and people say, well, what if you lose your phone? If I lose my phone, I'm, I'm in a, I'm a whole world of trouble to begin with. So, you know, the Authenticator part is just, just one part of that. Um, and actually, uh, from a, a personal security standpoint, uh, so I just recently, uh, my, my, wife had was locked out of her own gmail account and we realized that all of these sort of the, the recovery emails and recovery phone numbers that we use were also tied to, to gmail and so we weren't able to recover the account very quickly because we hadn't looked at sort of our own way of how we would recover this uh, and that kind of was a sign to me like oh we need to actually do this so that's another one go through those accounts that you really can't lose like your email accounts your gmails your yahoos make sure the recovery accounts are active that you know how to get into them and everything like that otherwise you have to email google like a hundred times and, and get them so she did get it reopened which which is good but jared do you have anything else to add? yeah i was going to say on the the concept of passwords um password reuse is done a lot by threat actors and i think people are inherently lazy not not any not in this audience but other people are inherently lazy and reuse the same password for a lot of things now so what you should be trying to do is use something like a password generator. So basically passwords that you'll never remember as a human, but you can store in a password manager. Um, and often, you know, like uh, on, an, on an iPhone, Apple's got one built in. There are plenty of other uh, products out there that help you do this. But every service that you use, you should be using a different password with. So that way, if a threat actor gains access to that service, they can't reuse that password at, you know, important accounts like your bank. So with that, thank you everyone and goodbye. Stay safe.